Why do you want to learn a new language? Where would you use it and how would it come in handy? This is what I'm asking myself every single day. Even if I'm not planning on going on a trip where I need to use a new language, I'm just like, my brain needs to stay alive. My brain needs to stay active. And there's only so many crossword puzzles I can do in one week. And that's why exactly. I just feel like putting my mind to the test would just be using Rosetta Stone to improve my language skills. And I'm always like idealizing. Oh, I want to learn Francais. So when I go to Francais, I can speak French <laughs> with the person in You go to Quebec. <laughs> but really, I'm speaking I'm speaking on a like dream level, which is also great. Use Rosetta Stone to learn the language of a place you're dreaming of visiting. But also practically, it makes more sense for me to learn Spanish. And if I'm gonna learn Spanish, I'm gonna do it on Rosetta Stone. That's amazing. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, and they have 25 languages offered. You have fast language acquisition because they immerse you in the language. There aren't English translations, so you really learn to speak. You listen. You think in the language of Rosetta Stone, and it has an intuitive process, so you pick up the language naturally. First words, then phrases, then sentences, which means it's designed for long-term retention. And the app has a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like <laughs> having a personal trainer for your accent. It's very helpful, okay? That was good. That was good. Thank it's, you. It's convenient. There's an amazing value. You can get a lifetime membership and just have every single language, all 25 languages you can have for your lifetime, and you can just work through them as long as you're alive. That's kind of an iconic mm -hmm. goal to have. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Who Weekly listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash who. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash who today. You will trailer. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And did you see who the moth is on The Masked Dancer? Yes, we're not talking about The Masked Singer. We're talking about The Masked Dancer, which is the dangerous version of The Masked Singer. <laughs> the Masked Dancer is literally The Masked Singer, but they dance, which like is even weirder because how do you recognize somebody's dancing if they're not even a dancer? Like a singer, you can hear their voice and you can maybe put together some clues, but a dancer, if if you didn't know how I danced, how would you know how I danced? Do you know what I mean? And especially in this instance where the moth openly said, I don't dance. Right. Like, this isn't what I do. Well, that's why the people who sing are like, I don't sing. So oftentimes they sound like they're speaking voices, which is, makes it easy. Anyways, there are clues. Yeah. Apparently, Brian Austin Green, of all people, is the person who guessed correctly who the moth was on The Masked Dancer. And we're going to reveal it to you in a clip. Let's play the clip here. Elizabeth Smart! <laughs> Activist, speaker, and oh, best-selling author. My God! Elizabeth Smart. <laughs> Elizabeth Smart. 
Elizabeth Smart. Elizabeth Smart! More people cared about the news of this reveal than the show itself in a way. Like, I didn't know. Totally. I wasn't paying attention to the masked dancer. But anyway, I guess Bill Nye was also on it. He was unmasked. Boring. I'm asleep. I'm bored. But this is crazy to me because what it reveals when she got interviewed is that they called her. Not that she would have called them because I don't know how Elizabeth Smart would have thought I should be on this show, the masked dancer that doesn't even <laughs> exist yet. But to me, what's crazy about this is how good the casting is. Like, who are these producers mm -hmm. who thought to call Elizabeth Smart? Elizabeth Smart. They called her home phone. She says she was talking to Entertainment Weekly about this. Genius. Because this is the thing. When I first heard about this, I was like, that's dark. That's like fucked up. This is weird. This is 2021 in a nutshell. Like, why, what? Why would she agree to this? And then you read this interview with her in Entertainment Weekly, and I teared up. I... It makes perfect sense, but this little nugget of a revelation of how they do it, they literally called her home phone number, and because she lives in Utah and Julianne Huff's parents live in Utah, she was like, oh, they meant to how get Julianne Huff. How is Julianne Huff the most famous person in Utah? Is that what, is that, is that the reveal of this? Is that literally she is? I think the reveal is that this probably has happened before. Oh. I feel like she's insinuating that mean she has Huff? once been reached out to when they meant to call Julianne Huff. Crazy. So they call her. They're like, do you want to be on The Masked Dancer? And her response is essentially, why the fuck would I ever want to be on The Masked Dancer? I don't dance. My entire thing is talking about abuse, sexual violence, and rape and like kidnapping. Right. And like, that's all I do. And then her grandmother died. Oh. I guess, you know, she started getting very existential and she was, and that I'm just going to quote her. She says, I spent so much time working in this field that when I was sitting there thinking about it at my grandmother's funeral, I just thought, you know what? Why not? Life is already hard enough. I mean, not to mention 2020. I don't think anyone would want to come back and say, oh yeah, 2020, best year of my life. Or there would be very few people who would say that. And I just thought, this has already been a hard year. So why not do something fun? So I guess for me, more than anyone else, I just wanted to do something fun. It's okay to have fun. That's so sweet. Of all people who deserve to have fun. I know, literally. This this girl deserves to have fun for the rest of her life nonstop, truly. Apparently, there was some clue about like going to the White House to advocate for like protection of children. And Brian Austin mm -hmm. Green guessed it off of that Although I'm kind of like sus about, I don't know if he's smart enough to yeah, get that clue. I don't know clue. how these things But work. apparently there was clues that, that really <laughs> that led them to having her as one of the options for the reveal. Because in the clip, yeah. you see her face alongside a few other people who they had guessed that it is. Which is crazy because I can't even mm -hmm. imagine guessing. I guess you guess you guess purely based off the clues. I'm not good at this game, but I told you I had a feeling about this Yes, one. you did. When we did the Dancing with the Stars casting rubric thing, I feel like mass Singer and mass Dancer are like basically the same idea, but a little bit more deranged, you know? Like having <laughs> yeah. somebody pulled from the headlines is truly one of the goals of these shows. They that Those are types of people that they seek out too. I think this is a mm -hmm. way more inspiring person to than like carol Baskin, yeah exactly you know? clearly they're going for more like inspiring vibe here on the mass singer mass dancer being the producer who made this call Genius. this like hail mary of a call oh like she's gonna say no but let's just try it yeah. and then she says yes yeah. ultimately i mean it, it sounds like there was a pretty ex extensive amount of time between the call and the agreement but still and watching Watching Ashley Tisdale and Brian Austin Green and the rest of the Masked Dancer hosts watch Elizabeth Smart be unmasked on the Masked Dancer on Fox or whatever was probably like one of the weirdest moments if you were witnessing it live. You know, just like truly out of body experience. I forgot to mention the Ashley Tisdale thing. Did you read about the Ashley Tisdale connection? No, they don't have a connection. Uh, 
they have a strange connection. And it? the connection is Elizabeth Smart was like, oh, and I thought it was interesting that Ashley Tisdale was there because I've been a fan of hers for so long because High School Musical was set at my high school. Oh, my God. Weird. Oh, that's so weird. Oh, that's so weird. Apparently, they filmed it at Elizabeth Smart's high school, sure. which is dark in its own way. I know. For me, the the most affecting masked singer, masked dancer moment will always be the night that Tom Hanks got coronavirus or announced that he got coronavirus and Sarah, and Sarah Palin got unmasked on The Masked Singer all in one night. And it was literally March of last year. So think about all of those things coming together. And I was not in my own ha- town. I was in uh, Los Angeles. And I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. <laughs> Okay, we got to move on to the show. You are listening to Who's There, a weekly call-in show where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619-WHO-THEM. I'm trying to get better at enunciating sometimes. Lately in my editing, I've been noticing I'm like a little like marbly mouth. So I'm trying to go on to comments. Here is a call about Lady Gaga. Here is a call about Lady Gaga. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. I'm calling about the Lady Gaga people can do hard things weird soundbite. So as you might remember, Glennon Milton Doyle, or I guess just Glennon Doyle now, um, had her famous book Untamed come out past year. And she has this quote that she uses throughout it called, we can do hard things. So it seems to me like Lady Gaga is ripping off the Glennon Doyle quote, which is kind of weird. Okay, Leanne Cuisine, bye. Lindsay goes, is people can do hard things in Chromatica? It's not a lyric in Chromatica, but it was definitely on some of the merch and the promo. People can do hard things in that oh. weird font. But it it is a ripoff from Glennon's Glennon canon Doyle. because it's yes. been in a few of her books because I found on some like book quoting site, these things will be hard to do, but you can do hard things. And all of her merch or people's merch dedicated to, to Glennon has the hard things kind of on it. You can do hard things. We can do hard things. Lady Gaga decided to make it people can do hard things. She's got to know. And the reason she's got to know is because Glennon Doyle has retweeted Lady Gaga and Lady Gaga said, there is still a shortage of poll workers in almost every state. This is in October of 2020. And she's telling people how they can work at elections at workelections.com. Glennon quote tweets this and says, thank you, Lady Gaga. We can do hard things. (laughs) Did you hear that Gaga singing the national anthem of Chromatica at the inauguration? I did. I heard that. She's singing Alice at the inauguration. (laughs) People think she's singing ours, but she's actually singing Chromatica's. Can you imagine if they like, she's like, Ahem, my name isn't... God, I love Alice. To honor America and perform our national anthem, please welcome Academy Award nominee and six-time Grammy winner, Lady Gaga. I was searching for instances of people can do hard things, whatever you can do hard things. I found Jennifer Nettles 
that singer from Sugarland, the country band, who has yeah. a solo career as well. She has a song called I Can Do Hard Things. Right. She explained that it was like it's a direct ripoff of Glennon. Like she like references Glennon when she writes about the songwriting process. Yeah. Gaga, as far as I've seen, has not directly called her out. So Gaga needs to say, thank you, Glennon, for letting me use your quote in my cookie marketing. So we're waiting for that. Yes. Okay. My generous interpretation of this is that Gaga thinks that this is like a them phrase. Like everyone knows that it's Glennon. I don't even have to cite it. People can do hard things. Uh, next call, next call. Hi, the weekly, long time, long time. Sorry, I kind of went crazy um, in the previous call. I was calling um, about the call about Aaliyah, and Aaliyah, I'm a Gen Z also, and, like, a lot of my cousins are named Aaliyah, and my friends are named Aaliyah, and I think Aaliyah is, like, well-known black then, but I think maybe, like, in white culture, she's not of them, two Gen Zers, um, yeah, everybody knows about Aaliyah. We know about Alitali, the whole entire drama with her family. Grew up on it. Family makes sure, like, we know the history of Aaliyah. So she's, um, like, way up there in Ben's and Black culture. And I just thought I would call about that. Crunch, crunch. Someone also did email us and say that Aaliyah is on Tidal. So if you have Tidal streaming, then you have Aaliyah's. Which actually is like a good enough reason to get Tidal. Tidal was one of those services that I had for like too long and I didn't realize I was paying for it. Wow. And I was like, I've been paying for Tidal for how long? Because I thought I canceled Aaliyah my subscription. This whole time. Well, remember that was back when like a lot of artists were exclusive to Tidal and then they were like, we give up. <laughs> but now it's like they have Aaliyah. That's amazing. I don't know how long they've had her, but they apparently have her. You can listen to Aaliyah on Tidal and maybe on other places soon. So following up to Black Gen Z, Aaliyah them, we have this comment about Gen Z. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. First time, medium time. Um, I just had to pause the podcast because uh, of a caller calling out Siskel and Ebert. I thought, oh, I'm in my early 20s and I know who they are. But then once you started talking about them, I realized I was thinking of the two Muppets, the two old Muppet men. So I guess they are who's crunch crunch. Aaliyah, Gen Z, Black them, Siskel and Ebert, Gen Z, just straight up who's and doesn't matter who you are. Aaliyah, we were kind of wrong about. Uh, Siskel and Ebert, we were right about. Can you name them, the Muppets? Yeah, um, Stelter and Waldor- Waldorf and Stelter. Stelter, no. No, 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 no. Stelter and no, Waldorf. Waldorf. Statler. Stat- Statler. I'm close. And Waldorf. Waller. Mm-hmm. Waldorf. Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, okay. I got it. I got it. Who came first, them or Siskel and Ebert? They're they're kind of one and the same. They they both premiered in 1975. Really? I doubt that there is a connection, but it is sort of funny that they both premiered in 1975. Ugh, yeah, and then somebody asked us who, which one of us is Siskel and which one of us is Ebert, and that threw me for like a true loop. I was about to do some thinking, like deep thoughts about which one of us is Siskel and which one of us is Ebert, and I kind of reject that binary. I don't think either of us are okay, Siskel or, or Ebert. Okay, fine. You know what? Sure. No. All right, fine. Break out of the box. <laughs> We're both Roper. <laughs> <laughs> We're both flops. It's true. Hey, Bobby Lindsay. Long time, long time. Um, I had to pause the podcast today when you were talking about Eva Amari Martino's boyfriend's post to point out two hilarious follow-up items. 
Um, first, in the post, she was super cagey about when she was going to post photos, like it's going to be a while. And literally two days later, she was posting selfies with him on her Instagram story. So that didn't take long. And two, there's apparently another chef also named Ian Hawk. So there was a lot of confusion. and She actually addressed it in her newsletter, talking about how many people sent her congratulatory posts with photos of the other guy in them. Sadly, the other one is much cuter than her boyfriend, but the tracks. Anyway, crunch, crunch, me inside. Obsessed with this story. She can barely keep a secret. She's like, I have a secret boyfriend. I'm going to keep his privacy. I'm going to blog about him on my website. And then I'm going to have to correct people because they're posting, when they're writing this stuff on the internet, they're putting the wrong picture. So I'm going to have to then post a picture with him, therefore negating all that I spoke about regarding his privacy. A legend. Mm -hmm. A legend. I would expect nothing less from Eva Amuri. Also, let's take a guess as to how long these been da- these people have been dating. I'm saying two to three months. <laughs> that sounds right. She can't keep a secret. She cannot. She's got a compulsion. She needs to share. <laughs> she needs to post. She has to has share. To post. I'm looking at her stories right now. There's yeah. a photo of a cup of coffee that says, come to mama, mm. who can't relate. Mm-hmm. And then last night, she posted stories of herself using the Instagram pan. <laughs> She got the Instagram pan. Oh, wait, the pan. pan? The pan? She's using the pan. It doesn't look like Spawn either. I think she's just casually using the Instagram pan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what color she got? Pink. She chose millennial pink for the Instagram pan. I bet it doesn't stay millennial pink very long. Just saying it wouldn't It wouldn't in my household. <laughs> I'm bad at dishes is what I'm saying. I, I recently bought some steel wool. Yeah. And like steel wool is the fucking best. It cleans everything. Yeah, it's amazing. I was just steel wooling. The shit out of all my pants. Yeah. There's nothing that is a substitute for steel wool. Like, you can't. No. Yeah, it's true. Hey, um, what's Francia Rexa up to? She's on Grownish, playing a conservative Cuban. Uh, I think this is their senior year. Yeah, senior in college. Um, crunch, crunch. Lean and cuisine. Bobby was being a little bit rude and it was a little bit rude. rude and crude. Just kidding, not just rude. De Francia, who has been on Gronish, I think Gronish is only on its second season though. So I think she was on the second season of of Gronish. I I did watch the first season, just not the second. She's Ana Torres on Gronish, which um, look, <laughs> happy to talk about Francia's career. The thing is, I'm dying to know what fucking happened between her and Selena. Well, if you search her name, it's the number one thing that comes up. What happened with her and What happened Selena? between Selena I know, and I want to know. I want to know so badly. I gotta know. Did you know that when Constance Wu threw that little hissy fit on uh, Twitter about <laughs> Fresh Off About getting, getting her show getting her renewed? Show getting she was like, damn it! Do you know that, you know that <laughs> Francia wrote an open letter to her on Twitter that was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't even forget that. I didn't know that that happened. I didn't know that that happened Because <laughs> you were either. like, did you remember this? And I was like, I don't no, remember I, this. I have no memory of she this. She said, <laughs> this, this is such a good one. It's a good She's statement. She's like, I believe you when you say you appreciate Fresh Off the Boat and Fresh Off the Boat afforded you the opportunity to have others. You are living every actor's dream. I mean it when I say congratulations. And then it's like, blah, 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 blah. And then she said, losing that job is unfortunate, but it's probably going to go to someone who needed it. It's allowing the opportunity for someone else to shine along with you. This means the door was opening wider because like she was basically the reasoning was that she lost another job because she had to take fresh off the boat getting renewed job essentially mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it just it, it was a very it's a very thoughtful note and i'm and it but i just didn't know that she had written an open note to constance Wu after that after that incident that got 32 retweets i know i know it was low 
I kind of want to give it an RT. I know we're late, but anyways, maybe I'll give it an RT. Hi, Who Weekly. Um, medium time listener, first time caller. Uh, I just had to call in about Stassi from Vanderpump Rules naming her daughter Hartford Charlie Rose Clark, um, which is a lot. And uh, I'm not going to really touch the Charlie Rose part of that, but I did want to call in as someone who was born and raised uh, in the suburbs of Hartford. Um, I choose to believe that she decided to name her daughter after our fair city. Um, I think it's entirely appropriate that uh, someone like a who from Santa Pumpools would name her daughter after one of the whoiest cities in America. So with that in mind, I just wanted to share a few fun Hartford facts that you might like. Um, at one point, Hartford's slogan, tourism slogan was Hartford, New England's rising star, which kind of reeks of desperation. Um, second, the highway interchange on the cover of the Radiohead album, OK Computer. Someone on Reddit figured out or something figured out a few years ago that uh, that highway interchange was in downtown Hartford, which I think is pretty cool. We'll take all the press we can get. And lastly, um, Hartford has a minor league baseball team called the Yard Goats. Don't know where that name came from, but the stadium that they do play in is called Dunkin' Donuts Park. Thought you'd like to know that. All right. Crunch, crunch. Me and Hartford. I love like a great call. Like it was like a mix of like defensive, but also I know I'm ridiculous. <laughs> Amazing. Just great. I love it. Makes me want to go to Hartford. Kind of. Why not? A little bit. I kind of want to have a, a little weekend holiday whenever yeah. restrictions the have been loosened when star, we're all back. New England's rising star. Still rising, I think. International travel who? <laughs> Just take a train up to Hartford. Have a weekend. Does Boston have any funny, like, minor league teams? You're asking, Lou. San Antonio Who are does. you asking? Who are you asking? Minor, because they were talking, the caller was talking about what Hartford's, I, like, minor well, league teams Well, you remember, funny. okay, the only thing I do know is you remember the the movie starring Jessica Biel and Freddie Prinze Jr., like, Summer Catch? I think that was based oh, yeah, on a catch. Cape Cod minor league uh, baseball team or some sort of minor league baseball team that was in the Massachusetts area. I mean, I know that it's sort of part of the gag. It's just funny to me that Hartfords are the yard goats. And it's like their logo. I'm looking at it now. It's like a demonic looking goat just like gnawing on a stick. And they play at Dunkin' Donuts Park. Everything about minor league baseball teams is hilarious. The San Antonio one is called the San Antonio Missions. And their mascot is a puffy taco from our famous puffy taco place. Puffy taco. It's amazing. A puffy taco? Puffy tacos are amazing. They're a San Antonio creation. Okay, let's move on to questions. Who Weekly is brought to you by Squarespace. As usual, we love Squarespace. We love Squarespace. It's the only way we will ever have a website. <laughs> is Squarespace. You're right. Because it's easy. Because I can update it very fast when things go crazy with tour announcing, which we might have to do relatively soon. Might? Uh, might? Uh, 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 uh. You said, we just came and saw you. I said, well, this is a, this is a 365 podcast. We're planning ahead. Everyone's, everyone's doing live shows these days. So all the venues are getting booked up. So we have to book our tour, which is far away pretty soon. But we already know we already know the dates. We're ready to update the website on Squarespace. And we also already know how to put them on the website, which is like half the battle because it's Squarespace. Exactly. And we've done this for a long time and it's very, very easy. We love Squarespace because 
It's very easy to update things. We love Squarespace because we have a contact form, which is the way most people get in touch with us. Even though we have a very easy to remember email address, which is what's up to at gmail.com, people would prefer to just use the contact form on Squarespace because Squarespace is easy. And on our website, it's easy to find our press clippings. It's easy to find embeds of the podcast. It's easy to find anything you need to know about our podcast. So go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, go to squarespace.com slash who to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, hi, to Weekly. Um, would you guys be able to figure out any information about Riz Ahmed's wife? Apparently he got married but has not revealed his wife's name or really anything about her. Um, it doesn't seem likely, to be honest, but I don't know. Maybe you guys have some sources that can give us more information. Uh, thanks. Bye. Riz Ahmed, probably best known for Star Wars, but to me, best known for The Night Of, that series he did, as well as being the guy at the end of Girls who knocks up Lena Dunham. Gets Lena pregnant. Yeah, he... Where you're like, why is this subplot <laughs> happening? And then you're like, oh, that's why this subplot is happening. But he also is the star of the movie that came out this year that is my favorite film of the year which is The Sound of Metal, which I have talked about mm -hmm. before. And he's doing promo for that film, which is currently on Amazon. And I cannot recommend it enough. It's incredible. He's also a rapper. Like, he also does music. And he also does... He's one of those, mm -hmm. like, every man that I think confuses people. Somebody that we would also be confused by. It's like, all right. Because I do everything well, yeah. but I'm not super famous in any of my categories. I do think that that means that he just kind of does whatever the fuck he wants, you know, at his own pace. Well, usually a, a super famous celebrity who has a music career, the music career is sort of laughed at. I mean, I immediately yes. think of like Dennis Quaid's embarrassing band and like Bruce Willis's embarrassing band. But even if they're good, it's still kind of laughed at sometimes. But I also think that it's like he was one of those guys that was like, he's a superstar. He's going to go quick up to the top. And then it like he took his he's like taking his time kind of longer than maybe mm -hmm. the traditional route or whatever. But then there's also the whole thing like he's British Pakistani. There's a lot that comes along with that, you know, like he probably has to avoid taking roles that are like be a terrorist, you know, which is his whole thing. He has literally like a it's like the Bechdel test, but for Muslim representation, <laughs> they call it the Riz test. They call it the Riz test. Some a, a doctor invented the Riz test, which was five criteria that is like if the film stars at least one character who is identifiably Muslim by ethnicity, language or clothing is the character. And it was like, are they talking about? terrorism do they are they presented as angry are they presented as superstitious are they presented as a threat is if the character is a man is he misogynist so these were these five things that like basically the this is the muslim version of the bechdel test mm -hmm. and so he got married the main thing is he's doing promo for Lindsay's favorite movie of the year set of metal where he plays a deaf drummer or a drummer who's going deaf. Yes, I saw a drummer who's it. losing who's losing his hearing and because he's doing this press and he just got married and it was kind of low-key that's coming up and I think what's kind of funny is he didn't mean to say that he was getting married he was on um Louis Theroux's Louis Theroux. podcast and he the clip is funny he I think he basically I think the clip implies which we can play that he said it to him off mic and then Louis who's a little sneaky and this is one of his things he kind of says oh you mentioned you just got married and then Riz is like, oh, we're doing this? Well, you just broke huge news. Like, he's very self-aware of the fact that he's not a huge celebrity. Exactly. But he's like, oh, this is going to be a thing. Cool. You, Congrats to you. <laughs> How long have you been married? Not very long, actually. I think it's the first time I've ever mentioned it in an interview. So congratulations on 
it's incredibly exciting scoop. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I, I don't really feel it's generally that relevant. So I don't really kind of delve into my personal life. Then we have like Us Weekly, whose headline literally is Riz Ahmed reveals he secretly got married but won't disclose his wife's name, colon, it's not that relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is clearly they think it's relevant that it's not relevant. Or maybe it wasn't, mm-hmm. maybe it wouldn't be relevant if he did reveal it. But it is relevant that it's not relevant, that he said it wasn't relevant. And then, of course, after this caller called, after that podcast, I think last night, Riz was on The Tonight Show. And he goes on mm-hmm. The Tonight Show, and <laughs> Jimmy Fallon is like, congratulations, you just got married. Who is it? And he's like, okay, well, I guess it's a thing now. This is my wife. Here's how we met. Here's the clip. Yeah, well, um, her name's Fatima Farheen Mirza. She's an amazing novelist. And uh, we met so randomly uh, while actually I was preparing for this role for Sound of Metal when I was in New York. Um, we just both sat down at the same table in a cafe where we both turned up to write. We were both like jostling over the same laptop plug points, like a very modern way of, of meeting. And we struck up a friendship and then um, we reconnected down the line. Riz is a prestige who I still don't think he's a them, but like I he's agree. extremely well liked. He's sort of still that guy. Also, because he's played so many characters, I still kind of think of him as a character actor, kind of. Although I guess Sound of Metal may change my mind Ugh. because he's like the leading man. You have to watch. But, I don't um, have you seen it yet. I know I have to watch. Fuck, it. you no. have to see it. It's so I good. Know. He's so I'm so good behind. In it. He's so good. I'm so behind. It's so good. But they're, how they met is so cute. It's like the New York meet cute story of like everyone's fantasies. This could happen anywhere. Ugh, my anywhere but the coffee shop. My dream. I miss coffee shops for this reason because every day you go to a coffee shop to sit down and read a book. This could be you. It's weird that I've only seen this once. I've seen it in an airport multiple times, but I've only seen it in a coffee shop once where someone literally bought a power strip because they were like, I'm not oh. fighting for these things. I'm going to bring a power <laughs> strip so and nice. plug it in. And then it's really nice. Yeah. But I mean, it's also incredibly selfish, but. I mean, it helps people. No, well, it's like the, we're not going to fight like here. Like the coffee shop that I work used to work at a lot, they they had power strips that they had bought, obviously Kalachi? for this reason. Oh, Kalachi had power strips coming out the not ass. Not Kalachi, but I did work at Kalachi. I'm talking about the recently deceased outpost. Oh, it's fine. They'll probably come yeah. back. It's that place is zoned for a coffee shop. Someone else will open it as a coffee shop. Okay. Okay. Back to Riz's wife Fatima and this book, A Place for Us. This is a notable book because it is them adjacent. Let me tell you why. Do you know why this book is important? No. Because it was the first book on Sarah Jessica Parker's imprint. Oh my God, the connection. Yeah. Wow. I bet it's like, and I don't know how the business works, but I bet it's like she has an imprint that she helps curate and then has a responsibility for a certain amount of promotion of the books on that yeah. imprint or something. And that's kind of like that's why what it's it seems special. Like. Yeah. Uh, we actually have a list of her responsibilities on this like penguin, what is essentially a press release. It says Ms. Parker will be involved in every aspect of the publication of books issued by SJP for Hogarth from their selection and acquisition to cover design and promotion, mm-hmm. working in close partnership Cute. with this SVP. Whatever. That's great. So she does Love it all. It. And she chose... Riz's wife. That's very on brand for her. And to think Riz said his wife isn't relevant. Come on, she's very relevant. I love it. Hi, Who Weekly. Short time, first time. I am a new black hooligan, so this is for all of my black African diaspora babies. Um, I am calling about Omar C. He is a black French actor and the star of the new Netflix show Lupin. And um, he's gorgeous, he's talented, definitely a French femme, an American who. 
Um, so I am calling about just to hear more about him because he deserves, and that is all. Crunch, crunch. So I watched a couple episodes of the show because Netflix served it to me, and I was like, okay, like I recognize it. Oh, this is the guy from Entushab. Like you watched it before the call, or you heard the call and you were like, I'm gonna go check this. I show watched out. it before the oh. call, but I was like, oh yeah, this is good. I'm glad I started this because it's sort of it's number one on Netflix, whatever. But Lupin. what is it number one on Netflix? Like. So then you Google it and you realize I'm being completely played. Not only is it number one on Netflix, it's number one on Netflix in the world. Really? It's cool that it's the show that everyone is watching suddenly, like Bridgerton or like The Queen's Gambit or something. But when you realize you are being played, that you are a victim to the algorithm, there's something about it that like kind of fucks with you. You're like, oh my God, I was literally being manipulated. But I'd rather be played and being fed a show that is literally being watched worldwide than a show that's being watched by like... America you know it's like a show that Mm -hmm. has no like greater impact it's like if it's a show that's like this is the number one show in France this is the number one show in Senegal I'm like oh cool like I feel like I'm being I feel like I'm actually receiving the benefits of streaming TV which is that I should be Mm -hmm. I should be able to access content from all over the fucking place whenever I want yeah Yeah. and that's what's going on with the show and I think that he especially as a counter to the Bridgerton thing when we were like we don't know if these people are going to break out I feel like this is the instance we're breaking out in a different way, by which I mean internationally, is more plausible yeah. and cooler because, like the caller said, Omar C is a French them. He was like the first black actor to win a César, which is the French version of the Oscars for that movie, Entouchable, the highest grossing French movie of all time. They remade it in America a couple of years after that Oh, with Kevin Hart and Brian yeah, Cranston. And it, and it, and was, it wasn't. It wasn't a flop, but it wasn't right, the same right. thing. And also... It was one of those movies that they made and then they shelved it for years and then finally it came out and it was like, okay, I guess this is good. It was a it was a duo, like a duo comedy, kind of an action duo comedy, right? Well, it's not an action duo. It's a heart-tugging one. Oh, so okay. like, I thought they were action. It's like a rich white guy is a quadriplegic and then Omar C is this black man who is not rich and he oh, like helps fuck, him I remember, learn I remember, to love I remember. his life, right? Where it's like, there's something about this narrative that's annoying. So this worked in France and then it didn't really work yeah. here. With, with the different actors. Didn't really work here. But the, the Kevin Hart connection makes sense because Kevin Hart obviously is a comedian, famous person. Omar was a comedian first. He was known as a funny person. That's how he became famous. Also, he has a very distinctive voice. Mm. Will you play So some? he's done a lot of voice acting. I'll play okay. some. Honestly, when you look through his IMDb, it seems like he makes most of his money doing voice stuff because we know how lucrative that is. Like he is the lead in the French dub of Soul, the Pixar movie Soul. J'ai rien à faire ici, moi. C'était parti pour être le plus beau jour de ma vie. Balance ce soir à 19h et premier set à 21h. Yes! Je suis engagé! So he started with radio, then he moves on to television comedy, then he starts doing voices, which he still does. Then he wins the French Oscar for being in a dramedy, and now he's basically doing everything. Is Lupin funny? No. Well, it's charming. Okay. I'll get into Lupin in a second. But Entouchable has a special place in my heart because that's the first time I ever left the country. I went to France, the first place I ever went out of the country, and Entouchable was everywhere. So everywhere you looked, there was a poster for two movies. What year? One of them was Entouchable 2011. Uh-huh. Entouchable and a movie called Hollywood, which is Hollywood without the D. <laughs> and everywhere I looked was a poster for Hollywood, which also starred this guy that helped him get famous, Jamel Debouze. <laughs> I don't know. French culture is crazy. crazy. So like, it's I was crazy. just like, it was Hollywood everywhere. Hollywood and Entouchable. And I was like, I got to see these movies, but none of them were subtitled. I think I ended up seeing Contagion, actually. That's the that's movie I saw when I was there for the first time. dark. <laughs> so Entouchable. It made 
almost half a billion dollars. Huge. So he becomes famous. He pretty much only stays famous in in French. He basically didn't even really speak English until after that because then he became famous and they were like, oh, I want to be an international success. So we started learning English. He's done interviews about this. He was like, oh, I learned English immediately and blah, 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 blah. But then I couldn't believe this crossover. He gets an American Big Break, which is the movie Adam Jones, Lindsay, speaking of a who? I don't. The Bradley Cooper movie, Adam Jones. I don't remember the movie Adam Jones. Remember? No. Remember? Because they changed the Is it burnt? Is it burnt? It's burnt. He's in burnt. It's burnt. He's in burnt. What is he in burnt? He's another one of the chefs. Okay. Fuck, that sucks to get your big break in burnt. Because that movie, although we love it, is a flop and a half. It's burnt as fuck. But he's in the new Jurassic Park movies. He's been in the Transformers movies. He's doing really well internationally. Like I said, he's the French dub in Seoul. And he's also in this really funny children's show called Fish and Chips. <laughs> with his, with his dude, original which is, co- comedy partner. With his original guy. Yeah. And he's fish. And Fred is chips. chips and chips. Fish and chips. chips is a cat and he's a fish. Okay, and it. they're constantly fighting. Okay. I'll play a clip okay. here because the voices. Omar C. apparently is really into this iconic French thief. His name is Arsène Lupin. Uh He's a, quote, gentleman thief. And he was created in the early 20th century. (laughs) The reason I think, I'm going to connect this to The Great Gatsby. The reason the show is happening now Oh, because The Great Gatsby is out of copyright or whatever? Yes, Arsène Lupin stories just went into the public domain in France a few years ago. Just like The Great Gatsby just went into the public domain in the United States earlier this month. We're going to get so much Great Gatsby shit. You have no idea. It's going to be fucking, we're going to have a show from Daisy's point of view. We're going to have a show from the other person's point of view. It's going to be nonsense the other person it's gonna be literally nonsense i'm warning you it's too it's already too much did you see the bnet brian's yeah it's gonna be all of the, every... all of the unauthorized <laughs> yeah. there's like a gay great gatsby they're all over the place i'm just saying if you have an idea for a great gatsby adaptation now is now's your moment. the moment if you can bang that shit out it's your time to shine so get ready because i now we're gonna get moment. like teen great gatsby we're gonna get geriatric great gatsby we're gonna get great gatsby performed by cats it's gonna be Everything. Yes. Okay, sorry, continue. Performed by cats. <laughs> Performed by fish and cheese. Fish chips. and jeeps. <laughs> fish a mordu à l'hameçon. So this character is this white guy, and he's this, like, fancy man thief. Like, these were books written in, like, like 1905 Early or 20th century, okay. and they were serialized. It was back then where it was like, oh, they'd be in a magazine, and then Lupin. at some point they combine all of them into a book or whatever. Uh, Lupin. <laughs> Arsène Lupin. Uh-huh. And it's the same time as Arthur Conan Doyle is writing the Sherlock oh, Holmes mystery. Oh, drama. Arthur Conan Doyle's brother-in-law created a gentleman thief character named like raffles i love that it's like they're a thief but they're a gentleman <laughs> but they're a gentleman like, oh. <laughs> but which is coded white yes right yes, so totally. it's a it's a thing yes. that now he's black because he was always white until now right i read this new york times interview with him and he said let me find out he says it's about putting a new face on what it means to be french today the archetype has changed anyway so it's good. It's very meta because the books exist in the universe of this show, whatever. We don't have to talk about the plot. I want to go into this next tangent that I got into when I fell into this hole. 
because it came out around the same time as the Sherlock Holmes mysteries, at some point, the writer of Lupin, whose name is Mar- Maurice Leblanc. Of course No it is. relation, I checked. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> no relation, Matthew I checked. Leblanc's great-great-great-grandfather. Just kidding. He wrote a story in which Sherlock Holmes is trying to catch Arsène Lupin. Oh, no. So Arthur Conan Doyle was like, I'm going to fucking sue you. You can't do this. Well, we they're still litigious. Remember the Millie Bobby Brown lawsuit? The Doyles love to sue. <laughs> the Doyles are genetically litigious. Like, even though Arthur is dead, <laughs> they continue the legacy of suing. <laughs> And I'm like, why are we talking about Netflix again? But like, it all this goes actually is interesting. And so <laughs> iconic Frenchman, he's like, fine, then I'll change the name. And he changed the name to Herlock Scholes. <laughs> so it's the same character, but it's called Herlock Scholes. When the book was published to go from the magazine serializations to the like novellas or whatever, yeah. Arsène Lupin versus Herlock Scholes. <laughs> It's so weird. (laughs) But before we move on, I was like, this is boring. We're just talking about this guy's career. There has to be something interesting. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the Daily Mail because if there's something super like titillating about this guy, it's going to be on the Daily Mail. He's married to the same woman for over a decade. He's kind of a snore when it comes to personal life. But I was like, give me something in the Daily Mail. Give me one Daily Mail story, please. I need to make this guy like saucy for our purposes. Mm -hmm. And he has one appearance in the Daily Mail, Lindsay. This is the headline. 2012. In bed with Jessica Chastain, Star plays the saxophone and cuddles up to a shirtless French actor in stunning new Vogue shoes. Wait, and the photo is like very weird. They're in bed or he's in bed and she's sitting on the bed in pajamas and she's playing the saxophone, but she's not playing the saxophone. She's holding it like in her mouth and he's like touching it. Touching like, the saxophone. Oh, like this is it's what couples do. Photo. It's like they play saxophone together or something, but like. And it's Vogue Germany. I'm just like, what who, is like, this? Who like directed this? Who like creatively directed this photo shoot? Because it literally makes no sense. He was shirtless French actor in 2012. Thanks, Daily Mail. Okay, we can move on. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, so I've been doing a lost rewatch. Um, or not rewatch, it's my first time watching it because it's the pandemic and nothing else to do. Um, and I just realized, looking at the lost Wikipedia, that I've been confusing Maggie Grace and Maggie Q, or rather, I have been thinking Maggie Grace is Maggie Q for the past decade. Um, and then that just made me think Maggie Q is more of a them than Maggie Grace, right? And then just watching Lost, this is a pretty hooey cast. Are there any thems in Lost? It feels like they're all who's that just were famous while Lost is on. All right. Crunch, crunch. Okay. We get the Lost question a lot. Did anyone break out from Lost? Should we start backwards? Yeah. And like, it's kind of weird because I feel like people were so expecting all of these people to break out. Like... And they mm-hmm. all kind of had like their own big moment. Not all of them. A bunch of them had their own big moments. Like brief moments. But like no one really did. Because like Matthew Fox was like almost a vintage when he was on Lost. He was like, oh, remember him from Party of Five, right? And he had this like mm-hmm. new role, but didn't really like take it anywhere. You had like Evangeline Lilly, who might be the most successful of the Lost because she got into She's like in the Marvel. Marvel stuff. You have Josh Holloway, who had a moment and he was like on, um... okay, I don't remember. So maybe not. 
And then you he was in a, like, he was in a Mission Impossible. Jorge Daniel Garcia, Day Kim might be the closest. Daniel Day Kim might be the closest. He was on Hawaii Five O and like a few other things. Forever. Right? Hawaii Five O was on. It ran for a hundred years. For. But it was a coll- another. I was, but it was another collective cast. It was another TV show. Like it didn't really feel like the next step up for any of these actors. You know, mm-hmm. even like Naveen Andrews, yeah. who was on a ton of different TV shows after this. I don't know. Terry O'Quinn was also on a bunch of TV shows after this. Like, I don't know. And none of them really like had a moment. Michelle Rodriguez though would be someone. Dominic Moynihan was in Lord of the Rings, but before this, right? Before this, yeah. And right now, he's better known for... He's still better known for Lord of the Rings. Eamon, so, Ian Somerhalder uh, was on Vampire Diaries for another 25 seasons, Remains a Who. I don't know. I just... I'm really not... The only them to come out of Lost was J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Honestly, I think <laughs> truly, that's it. Truly, though. Truly, though. I think though. that's it. Truly, though. We're just talking about the main cast. There were some, like... There were some random people that, you know, fell into this show randomly that were, like, little bit little bit parts but it was just crazy to me that it was such a show that people were like oh these this is this is the number one show everyone's watching it and like da 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 but I think it was such a collective that there wasn't like this standout moments for any of these actors to propel them you know I mean I think Michelle Rodriguez kind of counts but she kind of counts she was already she was already a thing kind of a thing before so maybe Evangeline Lilly and Daniel Day Kim but yeah. because they got big franchises after it. Maggie Grace and Maggie Q, who's more of a who? They're the really literally the same in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> They're close. They're close. They're really, really close. They're close. I would say Maggie Q gets a slight edge because of the types of stuff that she's in. Like she's in she's definitely in cooler stuff. I would say she gets an edge because her sure. name is more memorable, I guess. Yeah. And, like, this caller thought that Maggie Grace was Maggie Q. She has a high-profile romance. Wasn't she dating, like, Dylan McDermott for, like, a while? Yeah. They dated for a long time. And then they broke up. (laughs) Yeah. They have an interesting parallel. And I put this in the doc because, like, they both have kind of, like, an action movie vibe. But Maggie Grace is iconically the damsel in distress because she's literally the thing that gets taken three times and taken one, two, and three. And Maggie Q is like the action movie hero. Like she's like the fighter, you know? That's cool. There's a cool action vibe. And I think even that makes you themier. Right. Just by being like the heroine as opposed to like the damsel. Yeah. I don't know. Let's give it to Maggie Q. Okay. We hooed them both. They're both hoos. Moving on. Do you know what the Q stands for? And Maggie Q? Like Quigley. Yeah. (laughs) I saw it earlier. (laughs) You weren't expecting me to know that, but I saw it like when I was looking this up. Vet bills can be expensive, but Spot Pet Insurance can give you up to 90% cash back on vet bills, so you can worry less about high vet bills. Yep, up to 90% cash back on vet bills for unexpected accidents, illness, and even routine care. And with Spot Pet Insurance plans, you can go to any vet you want in the U.S. or Canada. There's no network you need to stick to, so visit your favorite vet and you can save money on expensive vet bills. That's Spot Pet Insurance. It's no wonder Spot is America's favorite pet insurance. Visit SpotPet.com for a free quote today. For all terms, visit SpotPetIns.com slash sample-policy. Spot Pet insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produce Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is an independent ad from Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. I love you so much. Please talk about Frankie Jonas's chaotic TikTok content. Just when I thought that Frankie Grande was the most embarrassing sibling of famous people on TikTok, Frankie Jonas Mm -hmm. joined the platform and blew Frankie Grande out of the water. 
I don't know if you've seen the Frankie Jonas TikTok stuff, but it's kind of unavoidable. I, w- I don't want to be rude and call it cringe because I think he knows that he's being cringe. He like lives he in New York now. He's fully grown up. He was the bonus Jonas, a.k.a. the fourth Jonas brother who is not in the Jonas Brothers band. There are, there are four, not just three Jonas brothers and he kind of has made Mm -hmm. that his entire shtick but I guess like how can you not make that your shtick like that's your shtick so there he's from Jersey moved to New York he lives in like Bushwick or something the house right and like he joined TikTok and now the joke that I think like all of TikTok is kind of in on and loves it is that like to them Frankie is the most famous Jonas so like it is actually funny Mm -hmm. like They'll post on if Nick Jonas like posts a TikTok or whatever. I don't know if he even has one, but there was some place where he was on a TikTok and they were all posting like, oh, it's Frankie's brother. Oh, Frankie's brother has a TikTok. And it's funny. It's funny because they're like standing the underdog. That's the joke that that Frankie is more famous to them. And I think it's confusing to a lot of people, maybe our age who like like the Jonas Brothers as kids and are like, what's with Gen Z and the Jonas Brothers? But like, I think the Jonas Brothers are cross generational. I think they go all over the place. It's not just a nostalgic band. Yeah. They also had a recent comeback, which kind of like helped fuel up the old stuff. But yeah, Frankie is Frankie is like, you know, TikTok's new bad boy, I guess. <laughs> I've been so massively successful lately that I wanted to do something to help me stay grounded and remind me of the fans. So, um, Tanamanjalal? Sorry if I mispronounce your name. This one's for you. I hope it grows your account. You're right. Like every single one of his TikToks is cringy he literally got tanamanjo's name tattooed on his leg for a bit he's like i'm very much like i'm a grown-up now and i'm a little freaky and that like plays well on this this platform because it's like nostalgic and fun and young and cool and he's in new york and i think he posted tiktok that was like i live in new york now like want to be my friend and it's like very personal very relatable shit he's he's doing a good job it's cute i guess (laughs) and he looks like a Jonas if you're he wondering like oh like does he look like a Jonas no he looks just like them if TikTok is the underdog sibling to like Twitter or something it's kind of like he that's he, that's his place to shine you know like groaning mm-hmm. at like the Fr- Frankie Grande and Frankie Jonas TikToks is kind of like part of the platform it's kind of fun on the count of three say the last name of who you think is who we one two three Grande Jonas. <laughs> <gasps> Wow. Okay, fine. Moving on. (laughs) Let's play a little Who Are Them. Um, Ken Jennings, Who Are Them. I am so lucky to be with you, keeping me so much at Ken Jennings, Jeopardy superstar. One, two, three. Them? Who? There's so much shit about him recently, and he's like, he hosted the first Jeopardy after Alec Trebek died. Like, I think there's just like so much there. Okay, I'll give it to him. You're okay. a them. Okay. I don't know. Am I wrong? Okay. I don't know. Hi, um, I just finished the first episode of Pretend to City by um, Fran Lebowitz and um, Francesco Scorsese's dad, Martin Scorsese. Um, and I want to know, is Fran Lebowitz a who or a them? And um, I spent the whole first episode thinking that she was Linda Hunt, uh, the Academy Award-winning actress. Um, so with that, is Linda Hunt a who or a them? Um, and and do people confuse them often? Is this the first time? Let me know. 
Okay. Bye. I don't think people confuse them often. <laughs> I don't think people are really thinking about either of those women frequently enough to confuse them. I get it, I guess. I okay. guess I get it. But I don't, despite your weird mix-up, I do think Fran is a them and Linda's a who. Yeah, I mean, Linda's definitely a who. Linda's definitely a who. <laughs> like, your mix-up is like, you have a very special brain, you know? We love your brain yeah. so much for we mixing up Linda brain, Hunt and Fran Lieberwitz. It really is a special brain. I think Fran's tough, though. I think she's got a name. It's like a, a cultural commentator, writer, Fran Lebowitz. We know she's been around for so long. But I'm like, is that is that also niche? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm saying them. You don't. You can disagree. You know what? We're gonna have to disagree on a couple of these today. I say Fran Lebowitz is a who. Wow. Okay. Fine. But like, agree to disagree. Oh, uh, now I'm thinking about Fran being told about the concept <laughs> of who's or them's, and then talking about it in this show. Here's the thing about who's or them's. Back in 1983, <laughs> back in 1983, I was talking to uh, Andy Warhol, and uh, we were talking about 15 minutes. This of is fame. your impression of Fran Lebowitz. <laughs> I understand what they're doing there. It's derivative. And here, it is derivative. What. It's so derivative. She's If she called us derivative, I would just, I would, my I heart explode. would stop. No, It'd be would. so true. And I would be <laughs> just die. Oh, that'd it's be iconic. Derivative. Uh, I don't know who Rita Ora is. And quite frankly, I have a problem with people who do. <laughs> Next call. She's and her. I'm Francesca Scorsese's dad. Just being like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> everything you say. Ah! <laughs> Speaking of Bridgerton, okay. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Stop. <laughs> How dare you say come on the main feed. Hey, Lindsay, Bobby. Good Sunday morning. Um, I am listening to the pod. I had to stop. Because you mentioned New Year's Eve in New Orleans. Um, anyway, instead of used to hail this year, we got Big Frida. So that made me wonder: Is Big Frida is she a who yet? Um, I know that Big Frida was in a couple of videos. I think she made an appearance in Drake's video or Beyonce's video. I think both, actually. Um, she's definitely a New Orleans them, huge them, um, but has she crossed over it's a national who okay thanks love you guys big frida who are them definitely a new orleans them i agree with the caller but i don't know if the, i think i think That's, who let's do one two three who? who because they're always a um feature on stuff yeah. or big stuff or whatever and i know like in bounce culture it's like they're the top but i but it but just yeah. in terms of like you know, breaking through, like it's still kind of, I think a lot of people are kind of stealing their sound too without, Yeah, that's a big thing without credit. And especially just her voice just being somewhere. Like remember, like, remember when Formation came out yeah. and then like suddenly you hear Big Free and everyone's like, like it felt like yeah. such a big moment. Yeah. I, can we say voice them? <laughs> I, I don't know if that's even fair. That's why I'm almost willing to say the Big Frida is a them right. because the voice is so iconic and it's kind of increasingly everywhere. Right. It's true because the sound, her sound is, that... is is popular, being popularized. But I think some of it is her credit gets left off in a lot of yeah. places because, again, a lot of the work is kind of like more derivative of Bounce than actually including Big Frida. So maybe it's like she should be a them, but right now she is a who and that's the larger conversation. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well then I guess Big Frida who. Um, next call, last call. No, two more, last call. Let's deal with Lazy Boy. 
like the chair brand, Lazy Boy. I just saw a commercial for them on Hulu, and I haven't thought about them in ages, but then I remember, like, we had a chair, like, growing up that my mom would just call, like, oh, the Lazy Boy, and then I feel like I've heard other people call just, like, generally, like, reclining chairs, you know, usually that kind of, like, velvety material, I don't know, in my experience with my one, uh, is, like, is it, like, a Kleenex effect, like, where you call all tissues just, like, a Kleenex, you know, and, like, all bandages are Band-Aids in, you know, in the lexicon, Is it like that, but for like reclining velvety chairs? Because in this commercial, it looked like they were also selling couches. So do they do more than that? Is that just like what they're famous for? Or is that like, did they like invent that kind of chair? You know, like, I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. Leanne Cuisine. Bye-bye. Just to let you know, this caller called back. (laughs) I cannot play the second part of this call. That's going to be a call you're doing amazing, sweetie. Lazy boy who are them part two dot mp3 is coming at the end of this episode because, yes, this caller called again. More talking about lazy boy. What does there left to even say about the lazy boy? Yes, the lazy boy inventors designed a chair that can like recline and then non-recline. Yes, and now everyone the, does the, it. The lazy boy style chair, I think, is like majorly now ripped off. And just like every chair that like is like, you know, has the little ottoman flip up from the chair is we call a lazy boy by just like default, even though the brand is lazy boy. I was reading their history. And at one point it says that they invented it and they had a contest to name it. And lazy boy won. And I'm yeah. just like. Do you think they were like, oh, God, we have to call it Lazy Boy because it right. won this contest because the name is so bad. So bad. I mean, bad. it's a good and name, it's but it's embarrassing. it's not even Lazy. It's Lazy Boy. L-A-Z-Boy. Yeah. They couldn't put the Y before the Z or else it'd be confusing because Lazy is spelled with a Y and there's no Y after. You know what their tagline is? It's very Jimmy Buffettian. Love that. Live life comfortably. <laughs> I love that. That's the live, laugh, love for people who truly love themselves. <laughs> Lazy boy, who are them? One, two, three, them. Them? Yeah. I think so. We had a lazy boy. We still have a lazy boy. It's in my parents' house to this day. Really? It's the love seat lazy boy where each side independently reclines. Oh, oh no. <laughs> We've had it my whole life. Like, my parents don't have a lazy boy, but they have a lazy boy chair. Like, a chair that is a lazy boy style. A lazy boy type. A lazy yeah. boy type. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this one's the real deal, Lindsay. And the thing. <laughs> Ooh, and you look on the, you flip up the the little like dust cover thingy, and it says Lazy Boy, Lazy right? Boy, Stitched in there. Ooh, and you know you're you're looking at the real deal. Okay, wow, <laughs> amazing, what a plug. No skimping in the finger family. We go for the real Lazy Boy. Um, I bet that thing is worth at least a thousand dollars with inflation. You know. And I feel like Lazy Boys depreciate pretty quickly. Oh, they're it's a like cars. Forty percent when you take them off the lot. Your lazy boy loses value. <laughs> I always forget that the one side, only one side is like a sturdy stick because you reach into the side and you like yank up the recliner. Okay. But on one side, if you <laughs> if you sit down and you kind of hit your head on the 
on the backrest, it just pops because it's loose. <laughs> so, so you're saying one side of the lazy boy kind of sucks. Okay, yeah. great. Okay, it it doesn't stick. You're like, whoop! I didn't mean to go flop, but okay, okay. last. No, we. Them. I think we should end. No, there. we're done. Yeah. So you don't want to know if the inventors of DNA are the discoverers of Please. DNA or whose are them? So wow, Watson I and Crick. Don't want to know. I don't. If you want to call in, call six one nine who them. Leave your questions, comments, and concerns. We may answer them in a future episode. Support us on patreon.com slash who weekly for twice weekly bonus episodes and a newsletter with our recommendations and you know, all kinds of fun things. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love that. And have a good weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday with another episode of the main show. Bye. Bye bye. Hey. 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 People can do hard things. Hey, sorry to call again. Uh, I'm the lazy boy caller. Um, I realize I never actually made it like who related. I just had the instinct to call you upon <laughs> realizing this. So I guess like if it is like, you know, a Kleenex effect kind of thing, like does that make lazy boy of them? Or are they like a who because like general like I don't know, that name just seems kinda hooey to me. Um, that was my attempt at connecting this to the theme of the show. I'm just really curious now. Like, this is going to be stuck in my brain all night. Oh, that's okay. Crunch, crunch. Bye. Hi, Bobby Lindsay. Um, in response to the Siskel and, e- Siskel and Ebert, is that what their names are? Um, on this week's call-in episode, um, I've literally never heard of that. I'm 21 years old. And I, none of I don't I don't think I know anyone who has ever said anything about Siskel and Ebert. That sounds like a foreign language to me. They're like Nas to me. Like they, I, I had no idea they even existed. They're not even who is. Sorry to say that you're old. This is a stupid call, Leanne Cuisine. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Long time, long time. Um, so I just had to pause the podcast after you talked about Siskel and Eberg and brought up Roper. Um, and I just wanted to confirm that Richard Roper does suck. I think he is one of the worst film critics in Chicago as somebody who lives in Chicago. Um, and if you need further proof of that, he gave Hillbilly Elegy Four stars out of four stars. So he is definitely out of touch, and yeah, he's just bad. Um, You do not have to play this. Okay, Uh, Leanne Cuisine. Mystic Barbara Walters Clark. Mystic Gwen Eiffel Clark. Mystic Katie Curry Clark. Mystic Diane Sawyer Clark. Mystic Connie Chung Clark. Mystic Jane Polly Clark. Mystic Oprah Winfrey Clark. Mystic Joy Behar Clark. Mystic Crunch Crunch Clark. Ben Yebox was at the official wrap of the last day of filming of Keeping Up with the Kardashians ever. Hyundai? 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 Crunch Crunch.